0: This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. We've got a very special guest with us today on Apostolic Theory. We have Brother Jeff Keck, incredible man of God. Um, I'm very excited about what God has in store for this episode, this this session. Uh, but before we go into uh, what Brother Keck has prepared, I'd like him to just introduce himself and, and tell the listeners, uh, just tell our, our listeners a bit about, about you and, and your ministry and, and where you are.
1: Certainly. Well, we pastor in Chillicothe, Missouri. It's the home of sliced bread. So we tell everybody when Uh, Ever you have a sandwich, just think and pray for us. And uh, so uh, it's a great community. It's it's a small rural uh, town of about 9,500. And God has called us here and especially to plant churches. So this is really the uh, thrust of our ministry is to pastor, to raise up laborers, to pray for laborers, to come in, to develop them and to plant churches in the neighboring uh, communities, especially in the neighboring counties. There's about 34 counties in the state of Missouri that still do not have an apostolic Pentecostal UPC church. So that's what we're trying to do. And so in our rural area, um, that's our goal. So uh, we've done this in uh, the neighboring county of Lynn and uh, planted a church there in a town called Brookfield. Uh, This spring, we're going uh, 32 miles south, and we'll be planting a church in Carrollton. We're also covering a small work, a preaching point, uh, 45 miles north of us in Princeton. And, uh, of course, all of these are in in different counties and are the county seats uh, or the largest town in the county. So this is a little bit of the thrust of our ministry and what we're doing, uh, especially in the rural areas. Um, not too many people parachute into these areas to plant churches so what we're doing is raising up laborers and uh, kind of being the tip of the spear planting the church and developing them in the congregation raising up people in the congregation the local church Uh, and then uh, uh, the goal is eventually to move over uh, that and as a pastorate bring a pastor in or someone that's raised up and to continue to do this around so uh, we have about five uh, communities that we're looking to, and then we'll just kind of keep going. So we have been here almost six years now. So it'll be six years in June uh, that we've been here and uh, just doing the work that God's called us to do. So uh, we're excited about that. We, uh, we love what we call the central church here. The people are fantastic. We're not a large church, but they, uh, they're fervent in prayer and fervent in spirit and they are getting really behind what we're doing so it's a it's a real blessing to have that and have that thrust and, and just to see what God is doing so Amen. Uh, that's a little bit about us uh, just my wife and I currently uh, are here our two uh, daughters are raised now the house pursuing their careers one in San Francisco one in New York City so they're coast to coast and uh, we're here in the middle so uh, we're just uh, glad to be doing the work of God and it's certainly a thrill to to be with you and on this podcast and uh, just to uh, have a wonderful conversation with everyone
0: amen that's tremendous you know and I I feel like that should be one of the major focuses of the church right now should be getting churches in these communities, where there is no apostolic witness, right, and and so that's incredible. I think that that uh, I knew there was a reason that, that God connected <laughs> us together because you know, yeah, just when when you get people that have the same type of vision as you, you know, that's those are the kind of people you want to surround yourself with. Uh, Amen. So I'm I'm very excited. I'm very excited not only about this connection but about. This episode, this session, um, right? I, I believe that uh, you know God's going to do some incredible things. So, why don't we just? Why don't you just go ahead with with some of the stuff you have prepared, and, and we'll just sure. we'll just follow the leading of the Spirit.
1: Absolutely, that sounds sounds great. Well, in the day and age that we live, and especially social media, there's a lot of negativity. Yeah, and what I uh, I have seen and noticed it kind of has created a platform uh for people to complain or as we're talking about grumbling uh to to murmur about different things uh uh of course the the politics is all over the map and and we understand that and uh, all of the other social uh, areas of unrest and and even more so now we're we're just seeing it just constantly coming upon us nothing is perfect nothing ever will be perfect uh, until this world is gone until jesus comes back and fully establishes his rule and reign And uh, all things are put under his feet. There's a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. So in the meantime, what we are to do, though, is to be the heart of Christ. We're to be uh, what Jesus was in his day, in his time. And I don't ever see Jesus complaining. Now, it didn't mean that he didn't rebuke people at times. He didn't uh, tell people uh, their sin. So uh, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying, but... I really do think that we do ourselves a great disservice by complaining. And we'll kind of talk about this. First Corinthians 10 and 9 and, and, and verse 10 says, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. So we, we see as God brought them out with a mighty hand, uh, delivered the Israelites from Egypt, and there was great rejoicing. And yet, time and time and time again, they would murmur, they would complain, they would grumble. Verse 10 says, neither grumbled ye, as some of them also grumbled, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Hmm. So, the very angel of God, as some have... Called him the 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 death angel came in and, and destroyed them and they were destroyed by fire they were destroyed by serpents and and uh, uh, the earth opened up and, and swallowed them I mean it was just problem after problem after problem and it all comes back to grumbling to complaining to murmuring and it's quite interesting in the New Testament the word that we see here for grumble gonguzov it means to make ill-natured complaints in a surly manner that word is just oh it it just reeks with negativity doesn't it someone that is surly so it's talking about someone that is complaining and they've got a surly manner or a, a, a sour disposition and they're complaining and about their discontentment with someone or over a position or situation that God has placed them in. Mm. And we're we're seeing this uh, almost more and more, and I, I think it boils up from a sense of frustration. Now, having said that, this has gone on for a long time. People have always complained, been negative. I, I came into the church almost 40 years ago. April 4th, it would be 40 years for me, so... Uh, I was 18 years of age and I came in church and I was on fire. My brother uh, brought me in. He came in church two weeks before I did in, in March and and uh, brought me in. So we, we kind of came into this thing by storm and uh, uh, we were just, you know, wild as March airs, as someone would say. And uh, we were just worshiping and we were loud and running and Taking our coats off and waving them over our head, you know, and and our pastor was so gracious and so encouraging. We didn't know anything about Pentecost, but we loved the spirit and the attitude uh, of the congregation, how they received us. But even in the midst of that, there were some grumblings, and uh, I, I overheard one lady talking about us, and she'd been in the church a long time, raised in the church. She had seen people like us come and go, come and go. She wasn't real positive. She didn't think that there was really much to us. And she said, I, I give them six months. <laughs> and That that wasn't real encouraging. And uh, I, I don't know what she said behind our back, but I know uh, she wasn't keen on us. She thought we were just going to be a flash in the pan, blow in and blow out. And uh, I remember taking umbrage to that and... Uh, uh, I got up and testified at, at uh, my year uh, when I had been in the church for a year. And uh, I said, I know some of you didn't think I was going to be here, but I'm still here. And I got a little indignant, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and just kind of being forceful. But the, the point of the matter is, yeah, we came with a lot of baggage. Uh, and I can see how people would look from the outside. But really... God had done a great work in our life, and what encouraged us was the people that acknowledged that. Now, once again, we were raw, we were green. We needed a lot of help. We needed a lot of discipleship. It took a village to disciple us, but God did that through his people and through people that were encouraging through people that spoke into our lives and and lifted us up. And our pastor was so gracious, Pastor Edie Dumareskin, and and, uh, just bringing the word to us and and being kind to us and allowing us to express ourselves as we felt. And he always encouraged that. And I was uh, grateful at the time and even more grateful now uh, about this because... There is so much negativity. And I'm not saying I've never been caught up with it because I have. And that's why God spoke this to me so deeply uh, this past week. And I just was like, oh, we need to do something about this. We need to be better. Mm. Um, Robert Heidler writes that murmuring and complaining are usually manifested in one of three ways and i I think he did a great job in in bringing this out number one he talks about self-pity how you're feeling bad you want to sit and lick your wounds and feel sorry for yourself so you repeat all of the woes that have beset you and you start to magnify instead of magnifying the lord we magnifying the problems and the difficulties, and and uh, every time we we bumped our toe and uh, uh, all of the struggles in our life, and uh, maybe there was more month than money, and and we get caught up in this, and we start to have a a, a pity party. As my uh, latest pastor uh, that I served under in San Diego, Pastor James Larson would say, uh, have a pity party, serving pout soup, and that's really what. Is going on often, he said. Number two is sympathy. You describe your difficult situations to anybody that will listen because you want somebody to come over and to pat you on the head and say, "Oh, you poor thing." So what we're doing is we're kind of looking for sympathy. It's that victim mentality. Uh, we think it's going to make us feel better uh, by being low and have people just dote on us, but that's only temporary. The problem is still there. And he said number three is anger and bitterness. We've prayed, you know, we're struggling, but yet we still have the same problem. We still are fighting the same battle. And it feels like we're not winning we we don't always understand that that God is there and God is moving in our life uh, the way he really is there there's a song we sing about the the waymaker and how we won't don't see it but yet he's working we may not feel it, but yet he's still working. And and that's an important message for us. But see, when you have anger and bitterness that comes in you, you want to express that. You want to tell people uh, about your situation and, and you want to kind of bring everybody else down to your level. We've got to be very careful with this, especially, as I said, in social media and in the pulpit, expressing our anger, expressing our doubts and our bitterness. But whether our complaining is from self-pity, or we desire sympathy, or it's out of uh, hurt, or just a heart of bitterness, murmuring, complaining, as we're calling it, grumbling, always comes from one source, and that's unbelief. The writer to the Hebrews, and I mean, he nails it, he brings it home to them as they could feel this. And in verse 3, and and he has a parenthetical statement, but I'm going to read past that. But in in verse, chapter 3, excuse me, Hebrews 3, beginning at verse 7, and then I'll pick up uh, down here at verse 12. But he says, wherefore, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. What he is talking about here as he uh, establishes this was how they hardened their heart, how they weren't listening to the voice of God in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. He directs us at them saying that your fathers tempted God. They proved God. They, they saw his works for 40 years, but he said, I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err we in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. We've got to guard our hearts. We can't get caught up in the spirit of the world where there's constant bickering and fighting and complaining and name-calling and using pejorative statements. If we're not careful, grumbling is going to enter into us. It's going to make us myopic. We're going to be nearsighted. We're not going to be able to see what God is trying to show us. When you become myopic, you can't see the future. You can't see God's plan for your life or others. Let me pause right there. Others. We're pretty forgiving of ourselves, but we're not so forgiving of others. And we can become critical on others. Sometimes we allow our preferences to come out, and, and this is in my own life. I, I've seen this, and this is where I've got to rein it in and say, wait a minute, that may be a preference, but that is not a principle. That, that's not a place that is established in God's word. It, it may work for me. It may be my life. It, it may be comfortable for me. But I've got to be careful not to put that on others, not to be critical of others and what their taste is. Or uh, I mean, we went through, it seems like we're going through it again with the worship wars. Uh, uh, I, I'm old enough to remember that when uh, having an overhead projector and, and, uh, and putting the words on a screen uh, was highly controversial. It's like, well, I don't know. We don't have a songbook in our hands. Can we actually sing? How, how can we worship? It doesn't feel right. You know, looking up at a screen. And I know that sounds ridiculous now, but, but I, I lived through that era and, and lived through the change of music. And I, I understand that. And I, I get the preferences. But we've got to be careful on how that we present ourselves and, and possibly even attacking others mm. without really doing our due diligence and following through. So we've got to be careful not to be short-sighted, not to be myopic in this way, of allowing people to grow and to, exp- and to expand and to change, because things are constantly changing. The world that we came in was changing. I remember these same statements that are going on now 40 years ago when I came into the church, you know? Uh you know, the, the church is, is, is loosening up, there's just compromisers, there's this and that, and and they're focusing on the wrong thing. We need to be focusing on, on the strengths that God has given us, on the, on the great young people that God is bringing up, on the wonderful preaching and, and, and singing, and, and not just the talent, but the heart that people have. I'm, I'm seeing young people, even in our own congregation, that are grabbing a hold of this apostolic message, and they're living it, and they're praying, and they're coming to the church and praying. They're praying in the morning at home. They're reading the scripture. Uh, they're joining in on our, our corporate fast days. Uh, they're they're doing extended fast, and they're, uh, they're answering the call of God. They're serving others. They're finding ways that they can minister to others in small group ministry and in individual ministry and in, in helping out in the community. That's something to be celebrated. Because complaining and grumbling, we can always find fault, right? There's always room for improvement. So I'm not talking about uh, that type of uh, constructive critiquing, but not having a critical attitude. Because that critical attitude, that complaining, that, that grumbling, where nothing's quite right, where it's never good enough, gets into your spirit and becomes a cancer. And I was thinking today about this, and as bad as cancer is, can you imagine a communicable cancer? One that someone can get from me, that I can share what's going on in my heart. And that's what grumbling does. Mm-hmm. It spreads this cancer. It's not uh, contained to just one person or their heart, but it's spread how through our words, through our attitude. Sometimes just in a look, the rolling of the eye when someone's speaking, or maybe it's not our, our, our favorite preacher, and, and we just kind of sit back and fold our hands and say, okay, move me now. Say something that's important. What I found, no matter how young and inexperienced the minister is, when they stand behind that pulpit, I gain something from that. I always have a takeaway, and there's something that God does, but only if I open my heart. And if I'm grumbling, I've closed my heart to God. I've closed my heart to His Spirit. I've closed my heart to His Word and those communicating the Word. And what I've actually done is open the back door to the enemy. Mm. Wow. And when I do that, then He comes in. The Scripture says the enemy is the accuser. The accuser of the brethren. He is the official grumbler. He's the one that's constantly complaining and bringing all of our faults before God. I've said it many times, and I'll say it here on this podcast, that that position is filled. We don't need any more applying for that position. It's already done. Allow him, and God's going to deal with him. But God forbid that I would join his side and open up my heart. To use my words to bring down my brother, to accuse my brother, to grumble against him or to grumble against the things of God. Well, I don't like that shade of paint or I don't like the color of that carpet. As insignificant as that may seem, that can get into our spirit. and, And that opens the door to the enemy. And what he'll do is he will come in and wreak havoc with us. We see this happening. Uh, in, in the church at Corinth. And, you know, they had their issues, right? We all understand that. But as we see in the second uh, letter to the Corinthians, how that God was trying to pull them out, and the Apostle Paul is writing to them and, and, and speaking to them and trying to uh, get their mind right. And uh, what we understand is that how God was reaching and touching them And yet they were somewhat resistant. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. It's interesting here that we have to cast down strongholds. And where are those strongholds? Those aren't outside strongholds. Those strongholds are within the church. And how did they get there? By people opening up their heart and allowing the enemy to come in, allowing his thoughts to permeate their mind, and to come out of their mouth. What a sad day it is if I find myself being the mouthpiece and the voice of the enemy. In Exodus chapter 16, it says, And in the morning, verse 7, Then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your grumblings against the Lord. And what we are, and, and what are we that ye grumbled against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to be full, that the Lord heareth your grumblings, which ye grumble against Him. And what are we? Question mark again. Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. That's a powerful indictment, isn't it? That if I'm complaining against my brother, to whom am I really complaining against but to the Lord? Moses brings this out. You you say you have a problem with me, but really your problem is with the Lord. And your issue is with God. This is where I don't want to be. And I I need to check my spirit. I need to make sure that I'm not complaining. It, It comes natural for us. As a child, I would often complain. I was a big complainer. I'm an outside guy. I love to be outside. I love to, uh, to be in nature. And my brother often tells the story when, when we were small, and it was dark, and it's the summertime in the Midwest. So, you know, it's almost 9 o'clock, and we're still outside playing, and, and we're called in to come in and and have to and I'm throwing a fit and I'm complaining and I'm stomping and I'm whining and I'm crying and I'm yelling I never get to play and all that I had done all day long was play I was complaining against the situation that I still had energy left while there wasn't any sun left how ugly was that now I know as a kid, it's somewhat humorous. But my focus was all wrong. Instead of enjoying the beautiful day that I had, uh, the, the wonderful summertime, I started focusing on I never get to play? How absurd, how ridiculous. But see, that was in the moment, and I was judging everything by that last light. Never get to play. My brother often says that I was a professional player. I worked hard at my play. But I've got to be careful with this, and we all do, to make sure that our hearts are right before God, that we don't have uh, critical spirits, that we're uh, not working against the things of God. In Numbers 14, uh, verse 2 he says and all the children of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation said to them would God that we had died in the land of Egypt or would God we had died in this wilderness and wherefore hath the lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey were it not better for us to return to egypt and they said one to another, let us make a captain. I mean, think of this, how ludicrous it is. Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. God abhors complaining. As we see in verse 27, the Lord says, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation which grumble against me i have heard the grumblings of the children of israel which they grumble against me he's being a little redundant here isn't it he, he's bringing it home though Say unto them as truly as i live saith the lord as ye have spoken in my ears so will i do to you your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness And all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and upward, which have grumbled against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land, concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Oh, but your little ones which you said you should, they should be prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. Our grumbling cost us so much, so much vision, so uh, much of the blessings of God. How sad it is for us to allow this to overwhelm us. It gets in our mindset. It can work against us. It's almost... Um, like Dr. Carol Dweck talks about the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. Allowing ourselves to grow and to expand and to learn. Or we can be fixed and locked in. Not truly understanding and never realizing our potential. And because of these grumblers, they died in the wilderness and their bones were bleached in the sun. While the ones they so-called, were upset about. That's just a shield. It was just a facade. They weren't really caring about the children because really all they could talk about was themselves. They weren't really concerned. They just brought their children up because they thought that would be uh, a a nice shield for them. But it's not. We've got to guard our hearts. There's an interesting story that... uh, I've always enjoyed its story about a group of frogs that are traveling through the woods and two of them fall into a deep pit. The other frogs crowd around and they're looking into the pit and they see how deep it was and told the two frogs that were in the pit, there's no more hope for you. However, the two frogs decided to ignore what the others were saying, and they proceeded to try to jump out of the pit. Despite their efforts, the group of frogs at the top of the pit were still saying that they should just give up, that they would never make it out. Eventually, one of the frogs took heed to what the others were saying and gave up, falling down deeper and deeper into the pit unto his death. However, the other frog, he continued to jump as hard as he could. Again, the crowd of frogs yelled at him to stop the pain and just die. Job's comforters, huh? But this old frog, he continued to jump harder and harder and harder and with every ounce of strength that he could muster. He jumped and finally he made it out. And when he got out, the other frog said, Didn't you not hear us? And then the little frog motioned to them and indicated that he was mostly deaf. He really didn't understand what they were saying. He thought they were encouraging him the whole time. How sad it is for us to discourage people, to, to bring them down, and how important it is for us to be deaf to the ear to the critic, to listen beyond what they're saying, and to hear the voice of God, because God is such an encourager, isn't He? Paul writes to the church in Philippi, and no doubt they understood his experience that founded the church. Remember, he was in Troas, and has this great vision, and uh, the man in Macedonia signaled to him, "Come over and help us," and and he sees this and. That wasn't his idea but he follows the voice of God and he goes and uh, he's looking around no one's there to greet him finally he, he goes to the river finds Lydia and there she is with the other worshipers, and and there's no synagogue there's no real Jewish presence there for Paul to attach himself to but this small enclave and so he's there and they're worshipping and then as you know things carry on and it uh, uh, becomes a problem he gets arrested they beat him throw him into inner prison, and while he's there, suffering a non-Roman punishment, because he was a Roman, but they treated him as an outsider, beating him and putting him in in the stocks, and there he is in the center part of that prison, and at midnight, the scripture says, he and Silas prayed, and sang praises. And of course, the earthquake came and all of that. The Philippian jailer who I'm persuaded was the man that he saw saying, come over and help us. Probably around two o'clock in the morning, had him out with all of his family and they washed Paul's stripes and washed Silas's stripes. He was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Gentiles of that area to be brought into this church this wonderful church the philippian church Paul may be reminiscing i don't know but he says this in his letter to them in the 4th chapter in the 8th verse finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of a good report if there be any virtue And if there be any praise, here it is, think on these things. Don't have a critical mind. Don't be myopic. But see the big picture. See what God is going to do. I'm sure when Paul was receiving those stripes, he was thinking, okay, I know you're in this, God, but it doesn't feel like it right now. But yet he was. And the Philippian church became a powerful, powerful church. Why? Because Paul was able to turn his momentary discomfort, the pain, around by thinking on these things. By being outside the temporal and thinking and worshiping with the eternal. Proverbs 25 and 11, the wise man said, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. How we use our words is important. How we speak into people's life, be encouragers. Psalm 1914 says, it's with The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Not just the words, not just what I'm saying, but let the meditation, the thought of my heart, let my words there. We, we see in the book of Joshua to think on the word, right? We, we see there in chapter 1 to, to think about that, to, to meditate on the law of the Lord. Now, that word meditates quite interesting because it's the same concept as murmur. Now, what is murmur? It's kind of grumbling under one's voice. Except this time when we're meditating, as we're looking at it here, what are we saying? Under our voice, we're constantly repeating the word of God. So it's the act of murmuring, but not in a critical sense. We're using the word. We're praying the word. We're constantly saying that. And what are we doing? We're encouraging ourself in the Lord. So let the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart. So as I'm speaking to others, and I'm speaking to myself, as Paul said, to pray continuously, right? This is what we're doing, constantly doing, reminding ourselves of the word of God, speaking the word of God. How about psalms and hymns, spiritual song, singing and making melody in our heart. So the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart should be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Because you're my strength and you're my redeemer. How I speak is so important. Uh, I'll close our little time here and we'll we'll move to the next segment here. But Colossians 3 and 8 says, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, wear out of your mouth. Proverbs 11 and 12. He that is void of wisdom belittles his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. And the final word here is Romans 10 and 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach which brings salvation to others. So instead of being critical, instead of being condescending, instead of belittling, I need to be a man of encouragement. I need to be a Barnabas, a son of the seer, a son of encouragement. Speaking these words to build people up, not to tear them down. That's the enemy's job. I'm here to build up my brethren. I'm here to build up myself in my most holy faith. I'm here to speak words of life and hope and faith.
0: Wow. This is tremendous. I have I have just a few notes um, off of the things that you talked about. Uh, first, <clears throat> you were talking about, you know, <clears throat> not having a critical spirit and not being critical... Um, but trying to find ways to encourage. Um, And so really, uh, simply put, we should be destroying our fault finder Mm -hmm. and we should be building up. And the, the Bible talks about the edification of the body and edifying thyself. So praying in the spirit edifies yourself. But when you pray in the spirit, With tongues and interpretation, that edifies the body. It's for the edification or the building up, as you said, of the body. And so ministers have no business taking a grumbling spirit to the pulpit. It's ineffective, hurtful, and inappropriate.
1: Mm.
0: Amen. That's not to say that there's not a time of correction because a shepherd, a shepherd has a rod and a staff. One is for protection the other is for correction. Right. And so there's got to be a, a place where, um, and, and, and the Bible tells us exactly how those are supposed to take place, how that correction is supposed to take place. And so, the and, and I've, I've seen it time and time again when <clears throat> ministers will get up and they'll just, I mean, they will just bash on somebody and you know who they're talking about. And it's like, that just, it's just not of God. And, right. and and so, um, we've got to be able to destroy our fault finder. Ooh, and yes. another another thing that you you said that I thought was really powerful uh, when you were talking about Paul and Silas and how Paul he he felt called to go to this place and it seemed like nothing was going right and <laughs> yeah, and and you know he ends up in jail and. He turned that moment of of despair into something much more powerful. He turned his he, he allowed his praise to release him from the bondage of grumbling.
1: Absolutely. If anybody had an opportunity to complain, he did at that moment. But he didn't. And because of that, his deliverance was brought. How many times I miss my deliverance because <sighs> I'm complaining oh, instead oh, of geez. praising, and God's like, i can't open the door, but you know, you're not, you're not ringing the doorbell. <laughs> You've got to go forward, and and that's what my, my praise can do, and and that's all on my attitude and my spirit. So, um, wow. these lessons that I'm trying to incorporate in my life it's taken me 40 years to get here and I've got a long way to go but I'm going to I'm going to keep going but amen these brethren in the scripture encourage me and those around me so surrounding myself with the with good people speaking into my life that's another important key to this uh avoid the complainers avoid the gossipers that that know everything about everybody and and can you know fault find as you're saying and and being nitpicky on everybody so just uh just to politely avoid them because they're not going to benefit you.
0: That's right. We're staying. We're staying out of the grumble zone.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. The no grumble zone. The that's no grumble right. Zone.
0: Praise God. <laughs> oh, brother, cake! This has been tremendous. Um, I believe this episode is going to bless so many people. It's. It's going to encourage some people. And it's going to help some people. Um, so I just want to thank you again for your time, and well, I want I to let you know, thank you. It has. It has been a tremendous blessing, not only for me, but I can. Guarantee you it will be for the listeners. And so thank you again.
1: God bless you, friend. Thank you.
0: This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5 or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.